The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, as I'm sure you can tell from my accent. I've worked for many years in Canada and also with various colleagues in the US. I'm retired from medical practice, but I'm still working for people and families who provide care for each other. This is family caregiving. I see family caregiving as one of the most important supports for healthcare right across the world right now. You know, family caregivers are the people who provide care to family members suffering health challenges. Family caregivers are the people who go on providing care when all the professional caregivers, like I used to be, have gone home. And here's where I make a confession. I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, I'm going to introduce the show. This is about family caregivers and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I'll mention what that is in a moment. Our two guests, Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie, are parents, each with a child with fetal alcohol syndrome. Now, fetal alcohol syndrome is one of several conditions collectively called fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. FAS, which is how people familiar with the condition refer to fetal alcohol syndrome, is caused by alcohol consumed by the child's mother during pregnancy. Alcohol consumed during pregnancy is the leading cause of birth defects and childhood disability in North America. The most critical effects of FAS are behavioral. These behavioral effects are the impulsiveness, the poor judgment, and the social immaturity that makes the child so vulnerable in school, community, and life. The immaturity, well, even as the child grows into adulthood, his or her functioning may be at the level of a five or six-year-old. The effects of FAS on the child include frustration with his or her inability to control his or her own behavior. With the frustration, the child may become angry or depressed, and may get into trouble again and again, creating yet more problems, such as getting arrested, addicted, evicted, fired, or worse. Its effects on the child bring huge challenges for family caregivers, which is the topic for Teresa and Bruce. Now, I'm going to introduce them, first starting with Teresa. 
She's the director of the FAS Community Resource Center in Tucson, Arizona. She's the fetal alcohol resource coordinator for the state of Arizona. She's a certified FASD trainer for the U.S. federal government's FASD Center for Excellence, the U.S. Department of Justice, and the Native American Alliance Foundation. She's a popular speaker because of her personal experience and success as a parent, her extensive knowledge of current research, and her unique use of things like skits, poems, and props. She supports families and consults with professionals. She trains educators, social workers, and foster parents. She facilitates support groups for families and caregivers. She's produced guidelines for teachers in positive behavior support programs. Bruce, Bruce Ritchie um, is, um, excuse me, one second, is a moderator and CEO of FAS Link, which is the name of the Fetal Alcohol Disorders Society. He's also a single father of a son who was diagnosed with FAS as an infant. His son, thanks to early diagnosis and intensive intervention, and despite great challenges, graduated from high school as an Ontario scholar, that's a high um, honor, and is now studying online for his BA degree. In 1991, Bruce was a founding director of the Fetal Alcohol Support Network, a branch of which went online with FAS Link, which now serves more than 400,000 people annually. He's received various awards, including Toronto St. Michael's Hospital's Award for pioneer work in the area of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, He's led the great FASD horseback ride and trek across Canada. He received eagle feathers from First Nations and the Métis Nation honor sash in recognition of his work. Apart from all this, he's an entrepreneur. He's established precedents in family law, and he's a published author, photographer, artist, and musician. Now, both of our guests have websites and you can find the URLs, the addresses to those websites, on the guest tab of this show's episode directory. After all that, welcome to the show, Teresa and Bruce. Well, Thank good you. To be here. <laughs> now, first of all, is there anything that you'd like to add to that brief description of FAS that I've just given? Starting with Teresa, anything you'd like to add? I thought that was a wonderful description. You went right to the heart of the the matter that we have. The, the most serious part of fetal alcohol is the behavioral challenges. The, the prenatal alcohol exposure to the brain uh, affects so many different systems in the brain and the function of the brain that affect behavior, and that is the most uh, serious issue that parents have to deal with. Um, it, it's neurological dysfunction, but what it looks to everybody else like is this quote-unquote bad behavior, and of course we know that bad behavior is caused by poor parenting. This is one of the difficulties parents have is having to constantly try to educate everybody else that their child's misbehavior is a matter of brain function. 
and these parents are wonderful parents doing the best they can, utilizing wonderful parenting strategies, and the kids still look like they haven't been taught anything yeah. <laughs> as far as manners and social behaviors. Right. I fully agree with Teresa. <laughs> you both nailed it right on. Right. Okay, I, now. I don't have a whole lot to add there. Okay, great. Now, what I'm going to ask you next is about the organizations you've both created out of your own personal experiences. So let's talk about those organizations, that is your own, and what they do. Bruce, first of all, your organization. Well, FastLink started uh, as uh, a discussion forum, actually not a discussion forum, but as uh, the Fetal Alcohol Support Network uh, in 1991, uh, when a group of parents uh, not being able to get any support and help from the professionals who really didn't know how to deal with FASTI uh, got together and started to uh, work on supporting each other and researching information from every source that they could find. Um, and we just basically were almost hung out to dry simply because the information wasn't there. As we accumulated information, we built a library. When the Internet became available to the public, uh, we went online with a website, and the FastLink discussion forum was originally started. Uh, that evolved and merged into the FastLink Fetal Alcohol Disorder Society and uh, has developed into, over the last 19 years, into an absolutely huge resource for families in both the, the ongoing discussion forums and the resources on the web. Teresa, uh, your organization, out of your own experience, please talk well, about Well, I, I found FastLink online and started attending conferences. And I found the information from the conferences were so amazingly wonderful, such a wealth of information from the experts, the, the researchers, uh, the, the doctors. And I would ask a million questions and take copious notes, and, and I went home and I put them on a little website that I put together called the FAS Community Resource Center. So every time I went to a conference or talked to a researcher or an expert, I would put together an article and put it on the website. So pretty soon I have this website with about a thousand articles on it, and it's uh, grown quite a bit over the years. So that's my internet uh, organization is the website, and along with Bruce's, um, you know, there's everything that you need to know about fetal alcohol is on those two websites. And uh, locally, I started a support group for parents, uh, just out of desperate need. Parents needed to talk to other parents because nobody else really understood the stress that they were experiencing. So we started a support group here locally about 15 years ago, and we've been meeting every month since. And so it's between the local uh, resource center and the internet website, we pretty much cover all the bases. So uh, we can have uh, local parents meet together in person, but we have online support groups, um, and our local support group has grown to cover uh, the state of Arizona. And of course, I go to uh, speaking engagements all over the United States and Canada upon request. Great. Now, I want to just ask you both this, and we have to be quite quick about this. Is it solely family caregivers that you're aiming your support for, or are there others who you're looking to um, provide support to 
first of all, Teresa? Well, I put the information on the website primarily for parents because I knew not all parents have the time and resources to travel to these conferences. What I discovered is that parents weren't the only ones utilizing this information. Uh, teachers, doctors, other uh, professionals and providers were accessing this information. They needed the information just as uh, well as the parents So, and students. Right. Now, we're going to have to go for a break, but I will give Bruce a chance to answer that question when we come back. Um, it's time for us to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie. Our topic is Family Caregivers and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Now, these are questions to you in turn, but first I want to ask Bruce to to complete his answer or give me the answer to the question of who his site, website, actually provides advice to. Is it chiefly family caregivers or are there others? Basically, we're we're looking for anybody who is involved with our children uh, and adults. be it the families that are raising our children uh, or be it the, their families around them, because often there's a great deal of misunderstanding and conflict within families uh, trying to uh, deal with our kids because they don't have the, the information that we do, uh, and very much with all of the professionals that come in contact with our kids. They, they're not getting the information or haven't been. Uh, in many of the professional schools, and so they refer, uh, most of these schools now refer over to our our websites uh, for their students to do papers on, 
uh, on the various subjects uh, dealing with FASD. So uh, we end up being uh, trying to target everybody. We're trying to educate the world on FASD. Great. Now, I'm going to carry on with you, Bruce, and I'm getting a bit more personal. Please tell us about the greatest challenges you experienced and how you went about and still go about overcoming them. Bruce? Well, the, the challenges actually to start with were the lack of information uh, specific to fetal alcohol disorders. And the secondary challenges, of course, are the financial challenges. Uh, FASD comes with a wide variety of changes, including dealing with, uh, in our case, failure to thrive, seizures, feeding and choking risks, high pain tolerance, along with hypersensitivity to tastes and clothing textures and small hurts and poor short-term memory, making learning exceptionally difficult, poor immune system protection. The list is absolutely huge. And very few conditions present with such a wide variety of issues, and each child with FASD has a unique combination of problems, and they change as the child gets older. So, you know, these challenges uh, our parents uh, are, are, to a large extent, blindsided with because nobody really has a map on how to deal with this particular condition. Teresa, uh, I'm going to ask you now, just to, to chip in on this, to talk about the types of challenges that you see in the people you're, hum you're helping, how closely did they relate to the kind of things that Bruce, Bruce experienced? Uh, yes, uh, th those issues as, as well, the, the lack of understanding in the professional community ha has been a real challenge. Um, I, I think, you know, I remember when I went to college and I learned about child development and behavior, and most of that discussed the, the, the behavior problems and attachment issues as caused by the deficits in the parenting. Uh, and so that's just kind of stuck in the heads of counselors and teachers. And it, it's very difficult to undo that and help them understand that behaviors are a function of, of the brain. Um, it, it's just a real challenge to help them understand the nature of fetal alcohol. The, they see a child, uh, you know, some children have full fetal alcohol syndrome, and they present with the facial features and the short stature and the below normal IQ. And that's very easy to identify that this child has some behaviors related to the disability. But most, you know, 80, 90% of these kids present as perfectly healthy, typical children that look just like every other child, except that their behavior is different. Their behavior is immature. They don't have control of their impulses. It's very hard for teachers, doctors, counselors to understand that this child has a disability and really can't control his or her behavior. And that's a big challenge to help professionals who've been educated otherwise understand the nature of fetal alcohol. Right. Bruce, I want to ask you about the personal challenges, you mentioned them, the things like financial challenges, but looking at yourself, your health, your quality of life, your work, what, what are the key personal challenges that you actually experience? Well, <laughs> life changed rather dramatically. I went from being a globe-trotting entrepreneur to running a business from home and being the primary caregiver for my son. 
uh, it was dangerous having a baby around a practicing alcoholic, so when he was four months old, I packed him up and we left. The, the legal battles were horrendous and costly. They destroyed two businesses. Uh, personally, I deal well with stress. Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, you have to learn how to do that. But our, our standard of living dropped like a rock, and it's been a constant challenge trying to be both an entrepreneur and a full-time dad. Uh, stress did cause a, cost a second marriage, and the past 11 years have been as a single parent. I'm fortunate that I do have strong family supports in place, uh, but the direct personal financial cost of FASTI has far exceeded $2 million at this point. Wow. Teresa, I'm going to switch to you about the personal challenges. You've already mentioned some of them uh, of the family caregivers you work with. Um, what are the support that you offer them or point them to? Well, the, when the parents come in and they want help, they want services, they want, uh, they want help. And the, the sad fact is there's very little help available in the community and from the government because these kids don't qualify for services. They don't qualify for uh, disability services. They're not disabled enough according to the criteria. So they're very desperate for help. And so we offer them the support group. We offer them the information from the website. We offer consultation with the professionals who might serve their children. But the, the, the parents, I think, want more than anything, they want some relief. They, they want somebody to understand what they're going through. And that's what uh, we can offer them is some understanding and support. The, the, Parents, and I can speak personally as a parent, we, we go from being very angry that our kids aren't getting what they need or they're mis being mistreated or abused because of the misunderstanding to depression, this intense sadness over the reality that my child may never be able to be mature enough to live independently. And going between the, the sadness and the anger, that I recognize that now as grief. And it's this, this terrible grief that each parent who comes to me expresses in the question, what's going to happen to my child when I'm gone? Yeah. So I help the, the families deal with their own personal grief, which is sometimes tied up in a lot of their own other past grief. Uh, so if the parents can uh, learn to process and cope with their own personal grief, it helps them to be healthier parents and, and more effective advocates. Right. Now, what I'm going to ask you both is a very similar question, and you've referred to it in a way in things you've already said. Starting with Bruce, what advice do you have for healthcare professionals, particularly physicians and nurses, about the challenges for family caregivers bringing up a child with FAS. What, in other words, do you want to say to physicians and nurses? Well, basically, I'd like to see them go to the uh, to these websites, uh, both FastLink and Teresa's website, and read the material. Get to understand what this condition is about. It's far more prevalent than they realize, and in fact, affects probably somewhere between 10 and 15 percent of our children. And until they learn how to understand this condition, they're not going to be able to effectively deal with a very large part of the population. And if they don't deal with them properly, then they're going to end up as adults with a whole myriad of very, very expensive problems. 
And so they're expensive. Join the, join the Fast Link discussion forum and participate. Uh, read what you can. Uh, Fastly, uh, we're basically an incredible source of ongoing support and information from people who've been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Great. Teresa, um, same question, but I'm addressing it to you in regard to administrators and managers of what I call helper and healthcare organizations. And that's the advice that you have for those kinds of organizations in the situations we're talking about. Teresa? Wow. Um, it, it's, it's really tough to give advice to people who don't want to hear advice. <laughs> um, they almost have to get to a point where they're desperate and they don't know they've run out of all their ideas and they, it, they're trying to apply all the standard helping intervention strategies to the family and then they're stuck. Then they come to me. And then I say, come to one of my trainings or let's set up a, a phone appointment and we'll talk. And I will talk with somebody and listen for about two hours hours just to help them understand the nature of the disability and how it affects that particular child. It almost has to be on a one-on-one -on -one basis because each child is affected so differently that, you know, one set of intervention strategies aren't going to be able to be applied to all of them. So each child has to be um, looked at, evaluated. Uh, and then we can help the, the team that's working with that child based on the evaluations. And sometimes it's just as simple as having the, uh, the administrators, the, the therapists, the doctors look at the evaluations that have already been done and say, look, you know, he may be doing very well in this area. His, his reading skills are good, but his writing skills are poor. And look at this score right here. Doesn't that um, show you why he's having so much difficulty? Yeah. Now, we're going to go for the break again, but we will be returning to these kinds of questions when we come back. So, as I like to say, it's time for us to pay the rent by taking a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, and please stay tuned. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie. Our topic is Family Caregivers and Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FAS Disorder. I want to talk now, please, about the stress factors on family caregivers themselves. Starting with Teresa, did you ever think that there would come a time when you, the family caregiver, would no longer be able to cope with all that the family caregiving required you to do? And if you did, what did you see, what did you foresee as the things that would bring it on? Teresa? Well, I can kind of remember having that aha experience that, oh my gosh, my, my son, um, as much as his behavior is improving, he's still not going to be able to control his behavior to the point where he can be safe out in the community without supervision. And although my son has full FAS, at the time, he didn't qualify for long-term services. There, there was no help available from the government to provide what he needed, and that is a, a mentor to be with him in the community to ensure that he doesn't do anything that would harm himself or others. And that realization that, oh my gosh, I'm, he's always going to need me, I'm always going to need to be with him. And I thought, well, I can't do this. I'm, I need to go to work. I'm running out of my funds and my savings. And it, it was kind of a, a shocking realization that we could both end up on welfare if he doesn't get what he needs. Um, I think that as the kids grow older and older, that gap between their apparent ability to function and their actual ability to function, um, how they look to other people, but how they really kind of, uh, their judgment and emotional maturity is still at a very young level, that uh, gets bigger and bigger, that gap. And uh, it's kind of scary for, for me and for other parents as the child gets older. And it's uh, that realization that they're not going to be able to be on their own, probably. Some some can handle independence, some independence with a lot of help, but my son is one of the ones who can't. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty scary. Yeah. I'm going to um, ask Bruce now about the warning signs. That These are things that um, Theresa has experienced herself and is so well described. What are the warning signs of those sort of key times? Who should be looking out for them? And you know, what's the kind of help that can be provided, if there is any, for whatever trans- transitions are going to be needed? Bruce? Well, the warning signs to me is the day that you receive the diagnosis. Uh, nobody is bulletproof. Uh, we can die or become disabled at any time without warning. You know, some idiot can cross the center line on the road and take you out and leave your child disabled. So planning has to begin right as soon as uh, you know you have that diagnosis. Um, even as adults, our children still need an external brain, uh, someone who can advise and mentor and advocate for them, um, as well as to be able to budget and pay bills. 
uh, you know, my son is doing exceptionally well uh, from an academic point of view, uh, did well in school. But a lot of it was, uh, A, the luck of the draw, B, some of the stuff that was set up at the schools for him and helping him through. But if he's studying for his B.A. online, living at home, if he were at this point to try to go off to college or university and live in residence... Bruce, I'm just going to interrupt you to say, please would you um, speak up a little bit? We're losing your voice. Oh, okay. Even if if my son were to uh, go, you know, he's done well academically, but even if he were to go off to university uh, and live in residence, for example, um, the odds of his being able to survive uh, the university environment and the stresses there are relatively slim at this point. So uh, there's likelihood of, of really needing ongoing care. I'm very fortunate in which I have a very large and very close family who will help, but a lot of families aren't in that situation. In Ontario, one of the things you have to do is set up something such as a Henson Trust in, event, you know, in your will or attached to your will, which can protect your estate from governments that will terminate any government support, such as Ontario Disability Support Program or any other supports, until the estate is completely used up guaranteeing they will live in abject poverty for the rest of their lives. There are things like that that need to be done immediately. Uh, Life insurance is a really, really good thing. It's good for healthy families. It's absolutely mandatory if you've got the health to be able to carry it uh, when you're trying to raise a child with disabilities. So it is an ongoing problem that you have to start that planning really early and (laughs) plan on living a very long time. Right. Now, I have a different type of question for you both, and it is for both of you, but it's going to start with Teresa. When does the sun shine, and what causes it to shine for the family (laughs) caregiver and the child? Teresa? Ah, when does the sun shine? For me, the sun shines when... I'm looking at my child and I see a mature adult, but I can also see the little kid inside that's vulnerable and precious. And the sun shines for me when somebody else, a caregiver, a colleague, or a friend, can see my child through my eyes and see the same thing. That warms my heart. Um, the sun shines when I can get to a point where I'm frustrated and angry and I can stop and look at the situation and think, oh, my goodness, this is so ridiculous, and I can laugh about it. <laughs> and um, I put the, the humor on the Internet. Um, I formed a little group called Fastaholics Anonymous. We're Fastaholics because we're addicted to learning and talking about fetal alcohol at the time. So we just kind of laugh at ourselves and laugh at our kids' antics. And for the, the parents, I know that the sun shines when, when they can get a little bit of help. I had a call from a parent the other day who was obviously in a lot of stress, and she had a, a son who's about 10 years old who was having a tantrum and was screaming at the top of his lungs. I could hear him in the background, and she said, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything that the professionals told me, and nothing's working. I don't know what to do. And I could hear him screaming, and I could tell, you know, I can read the different screams. This was a scream that said, um, I'm out of control. I need somebody to tell me I need to stop. 
Um, so I said, well, here's an idea. I said, go take a timer, set the timer for five minutes, and said, tell him when the timer goes off, your turn is done, and then it's my turn to scream. And then I said, set the timer for five minutes and, and scream for a while. <laughs> well, she was kind of dubious, but she said she'd try it. And she called back in about 15 minutes and said, it worked. He, he stopped immediately and just stared at me. <laughs> so we were able to laugh about it. And almost all of the, the stress phone calls or the support groups begin with tears and fear and a lot of negative feelings. And we all end up laughing as we walk out the door to go home or say goodbye on the phone. So that's my sunshine. Bruce, your sunshine? Well, I figure my sun shines every day. Uh, every day this side of the grass is a bonus. Uh, our children are an incredible gift to us. They teach us about love and life, persistence, courage, and giving. They may cost us money, but they help us find our soul. They give more than they receive. Uh, you know, and, and I agree with Teresa that uh, little stunt of throwing the temper tantrum, I used it with my kids. And uh, actually, uh, one went to throw a temper tantrum in uh, a store one day, and I said, let me show you what a temper tantrum looks like. Do you want me to do one? And they got so embarrassed, they said, no, 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 and stop right away. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm going to ask you, and time is short, so these are, these are two quick questions. There's the same, same question for both of you, in effect. Advice you have for persons who are just starting down the road you've traveled. What's the advice you have for them? Who do you want to go? Bruce first. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, my advice to them is that uh, this will be the biggest challenge you've ever faced in your life, and it is absolutely worth it. Learn everything you can about FASTI. Be prepared to change your conventional wisdom to the real and crazy world of FASTI. You will never take another beautiful sunset or breath of fresh air for granted, and you'll discover you're far tougher than you ever thought possible. This will be the richest, most rewarding, most frustrating, and expensive journey you've ever taken, but hopefully you'll come out of it and look back on it and say, my God, I actually survived it. What a ride. <laughs> Teresa, same question. Uh, that, that was a perfect answer. My advice would be to, to hold on. Don't lose hope. Um, learn as much as you can and stick together. Because it's, it's the parents who are connected either personally in a support group locally or online together and there's lots of wonderful online groups those are the families that have the best success with their kids so just to hang in there and hold on to hope because things get better and better all the time you know it sounds to me as if really the whole essence is the care of the family caregiver that really the professionals like you know, me and my colleagues are there to be helpful and they can deal with individual problems, but the core, the core of it all is the, the heart of it all is the family caregiver. Do you both agree with me? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. Great. Okay. Now, I'm, it's that time again where we uh, have to take the short break. And so this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie. 
You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. And please stay tuned because we're going to ask our guests next time round what they're going to do to save the world. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Total career success. What does it mean to you? World Talk Radio presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for total career success on World Talk Radio. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie. Our topic is family caregivers and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Now, let's suppose that you, our two guests, as individuals, are appointed by your government to oversee the development of services for family caregivers looking after family members with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. In other words, what are you going to do what would you like to do if you were in charge um, of providing the kinds of services that you know are required? So my first sub-question to this is addressed to Bruce. What are the things that you would actually propose and why would you propose them? Oh, okay. I'm glad you said that I put this one in here because all services and funding for FASTI are controlled by politicians and bureaucrats. A major education program is required of both politicians and bureaucrats in order to make changes to the supports for families and caregivers. 
I would like to see in Ontario, actually across Canada, uh, more funding for diagnostic support. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the medical studies can be done covered by our Medicare under OHEP in Ontario, uh, but the psychological testing that's part, often part of the FASD uh, diagnostics can run $2,500, and that is not covered. So that's out of pocket, and for many families that makes diagnosis prohibitive, and therefore the child does not get the diagnosis nor the interventions, and then everybody has a lifetime of problems with that. I would go after the education area, providing special parenting programs that are geared to understanding and working with our special children. I'd want to provide parent education to identify the sources of support, including financial, and assist in navigating the bureaucratic minefields designed to deny services. And often the parents have to educate the professionals about FASTI. So they need the material educational packets for the parents to give to those who will be engaged with our children, including their own family members. Massive denial is the largest disease in this country. Uh, then I'd be looking at the funding, and there is absolutely too little funding available to deal with FASD, and frankly, what governments are putting out supposedly for FASD never makes it to the grassroots where the work is actually being done. Government does not fund FASTLink, nor do I believe it funds Teresa's uh, site as either and services. So that is a major issue, and it doesn't rarely actually filters down to the children. In Ontario, there's the Assistance for Children with Severe Disabilities, which is up to about $430 a month. But the professionals don't tell families about that. And so they end up going through uh, hundreds and, and thousands of dollars worth of costs that should have been covered, but the professionals haven't told them about it. Right. Uh, our children can go on to secondary education um, with a well-known, well-hidden program called the Canada Studies Grant, right. but nobody promotes it or talks about it. You, Bruce, you have a lot to say, and you've obviously thought about this very carefully, and obviously you, you're wanting to influence um, governments politically. Theresa, what's your take on, on what governments should be doing? Oh, if I ran the world, I would make lots of changes. I think with the the critical problem being a lack of understanding about fetal alcohol at all levels, I would like to see uh, mandatory training. We need to educate everybody at every level in every system, mandatory training for doctors, for uh, teachers, for social workers, for child protective services. Um, everybody needs to be educated about the nature of fetal alcohol, what it looks like, uh, what the symptoms are, what the intervention strategies are. Then we need to provide and fund the services for the parents. The parents need respite. Trying to uh, supervise closely enough a, a 10-year-old child who has the control of a 2-year-old, it, it's very challenging and it's very tiring. So parents need some respite. Um, just pro I think that uh, Bruce mentioned something, uh, the denial. I think that we need to be investigating why, after 50 years of knowing this thing, 
fetal alcohol syndrome, why are are women still drinking during pregnancy? Why do we see still so much fetal alcohol? And why do people still not understand it or recognize it? It's very interesting that there's a lot of awareness about other disabilities like autism, but there's still brushing fetal alcohol under the rug. I think we really need to seriously look at why and understand the reasons why. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you this question, that it's evident from these behavioral problems and the kind of statistics that I've been reading that when things go wrong in community, school, job, and sadly in maybe jails, uh, the cost to the society is enormous. Has there been any work, and I'm going to ask Bruce first and then Teresa, that shows that better services for families, FAS, um, the children with FAS, would actually be cost-effective? Bruce? Well, it, uh, it costs $85,000 a year to house an adult prisoner. Uh, many of the prisoners, if you look at the studies from the National Parole Board, uh, could be fully diagnosed with FASD. There, there's no question about that. The, the profile is there. So essentially what you're doing is locking up people who have been born with disabilities because they have a disability, which to me is just cruel and unusual punishment. It shouldn't be done. Uh, the beverage alcohol industry um, pays in their taxes less than 1% of the total damages caused by their products, whether it's done through FASTI or destruction of families or accidents on the road. We need to be looking at um, uh, the people who are benefiting from it, a.k.a. the beverage alcohol industry, picking up the full tab for the damage that they're causing. Uh, we need to be looking at... Uh, much more realistic ways of getting this out of the closet. We've got uh, a tremendous upsurge in autism, but a lot of the reality of the autism diagnoses is many of them are really fasty, uh, and doctors will call it autism instead of uh, A, annoying the mother, and B, possibly incurring the wrath of their uh, liability insurer. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of misdiagnoses going on there. The reality is we have over 20% of our children receiving special education. We have 79% of them that have been exposed to alcohol during pregnancy, 37% to binge drinking during pregnancy multiple times. And most of this occurs in the first three months before most women know that they're pregnant. Right. Going and, to you know, half the pregnancies in this country are unplanned. So. Right. <laughs> These, these are issues that need to be dealt with and realize the prevalence of FASD. And, you know, if you fix it, A, by preventing it, and B, if you haven't prevented it, by providing the early services, then you can end up with, you know, a kid who graduates from high school with an Ontario, as an Ontario scholar right. on occasion. Teresa, your, your view on this, the cost-effectiveness. Okay. The cost-effectiveness, there is a, a research report available in the United States that shows if a prevention program costs one-half a million dollars, $500,000, and saved just one baby from having fetal alcohol syndrome, it would be cost-effective. 
Absolutely. And we see that the intervention strategies for the parents raising the children are very critical in preventing the secondary disabilities that occur later, the trouble in school, getting in trouble with the law, the inappropriate sexual behaviors, addiction, unwanted pregnancies. Um, and we can really make a difference in the next generation of children and their risk to uh, being affected by prenatal alcohol by addressing the issues of the parents raising these kids when they're still young. Right. Now, what I'm getting from you both um, is this, that the word needs to get out, doesn't it, about what the nature of the problem is and what the nature of the cause is and what the nature of, maybe solution isn't the right word, but what the nature is of the things that must be done. And I would like to say to you that, um, and perhaps to our listeners, please would you um, send us comments, questions, which are direct to our two guests, on the sorts of issues that we've been talking about and maybe also on the sorts of issues we've not been talking about because this is a very large subject. Um, it has a lot of implications. And, you know, when you both are talking about the impact of the high, high the common frequency of this, you know, 15% kind of figure, I think, that Bruce mentioned, this implies a huge cost in every way you can think of it, social, emotional, um, financial, and anything, therefore, that can be done to prevent it, anything that, therefore, can be done to support the people who are supporting it becomes crucial. So with that uh, closing speech, which I hope is helpful to you both, I'd like to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners, and do please email us with your comments and questions. Um, and I want to say a particular thank you to our guests, Teresa Kellerman and Bruce Ritchie. Um, thank you both for sharing your experiences so candidly. Um, thank you for pointing us to some success stories, and particularly the point that the red the sun does shine, but also being quite firm about the things that you would like to see government do. And what I would like to say uh, is, if you were standing for election, um, whether in Canada or the U.S., I'd vote for you, and I hope our listeners would too. <laughs> Thanks. Well, thank you very much, George. You're very welcome. Now, our next episode is about Alzheimer's disease and family caregiving at home. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.